Well, good morning. It's good to be with you and good to be back with each other, um, no matter where you find yourself, at home, on the couch, um, with Fruit Loops, or uh, in the car driving somewhere. Um, wherever you find yourself, welcome, welcome. Just by being here, you're a part of this family. Like Pastor Mark said, my name is Pierce. I'm one of the pastors here today, and we're going to continue our series, Breaking Open. It's going to be a great time, so let's jump into it. We have our scripture today, which comes out of Luke's gospel in chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 1. So uh, read along with me. Those words will be on the screen. Hear these words. Love this story. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all of this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves you to do this for him because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Will you pray with me one more time? Holy Spirit, be with us. Show yourself to us. Lead us into your presence. In your name we pray. Amen. We have been in this series breaking open as a way of talking about this like moment in life or moments in life where normally we, we take all the pressure and all the things of this life and they can lead us to a breakdown. But we're, we're thinking and believing and knowing that God's calling us, to, calling us into a breaking open. That's what God is calling us, not to break down, but to break open. And the reality is, I think breaking open happens in the arms of God. Like that's literally the location that it happens. It happens in his arms. That is where we break open. But for too many of us, myself included, there are times where we don't understand the fullness of his arms. And because we don't understand the fullness of his arms, we wonder, is this even a place that we want to be held? Is this even a place that I can be trusted to embrace? Will change come in my life? Will, will restoration and all the things, will they come if I trust in who God is? It's that understanding of the fullness that I want to talk to you about today is, is the full nature of who God is. Look at our, let's look at our centurion guy in our scripture today. I love this passage. This centurion is obviously a Roman soldier guy working. And, and to say it lightly, I'm, I'm not, I don't have time to jump into all of it, but the Jews and the Romans, they don't, they don't get along very well at all. And the centurion has a, has a servant who is sick and, and deathly ill. And, and just his compassion for his servant is something that 
would have rocked that community in the first place. Like some, a master having, having compassion for his servant, at least from my understanding of reading scripture, doesn't happen a lot. But this Roman centurion does, and, and he hears about Jesus. And he is in deep need of experiencing the fullness of the nature of God. And so he not only had heard about Jesus and, and that Jesus was around in the city, but, but he had heard what Jesus was doing, who he was, his radical inclusion of love. He had heard of the power that had gone out from him, the wisdom that Jesus was calling people to follow him in the life that he was. So, so he does what we do for humanity, like we have done for all of humanity. Like he sees the gap between who he is and who this Jesus is. And he goes, well, I've got to fill the gap to get Jesus to come. And so he gets some of his friends that are Jewish elders in the community. They worked in the church and he goes, hey, go to Jesus and plead on my behalf. And so they go to Jesus and with enthusiasm and desperation, they go, Jesus, you got to come with us. Like this guy is worthy for you to come into his house. I can imagine that them saying like, I know he's a Roman centurion, but he is worthy for you to come into his house. And Jesus says, yes. Well, then while Jesus is just a little ways off from the house, the centurion sends another message. This time, not with uh, any, any Jewish leaders. He sends friends of his, and, and the friends go, and they, they come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, um, the centurion sent another message, and the message is this, that he's not worthy to have you in his house. He's not even worthy to have you come into his presence. Like, we know who you are, and so we're just asking that you say the word. They just say the word for him to be healed. And in this moment, the centurion does what, what none of us feel good doing, none of us desire to do, none of us do naturally if we're honest, but he lays himself bare on the feet in front of Jesus, trusting everything, putting all of his pride there, putting all of his accomplishments there, all that he had done in his life, and just saying, I'm not worthy of any of that. And it sounds a little bit like the prodigal son's story where he says, I'm no longer worthy. The centurion says, I'm not worthy to have you in my home. This beautiful moment of surrender in the arms of Jesus, who he had not met before this moment, who he's just sending messages to. We have this tendency. We have this tendency in the church. We have this tendency in culture. We have this tendency in our own selves to take part of the nature of God and, and access or depend upon one, of, one side of it or one aspect of it, but not to embrace it fully. And so God is perfect. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we believe three in one and one in nature, and the nature is perfection. And one of the ways that we talk about God's perfection is to say that God is all-powerful, and God is all-wise, and God is all-good all-powerful, all-wise, all-good. We need all three of those things to be true, not just one of them. We need all three of them, not two of them, all three of them. When one of them is missing, things get really bad. So let's, let's look at it. If God is all-powerful and all-wise, but he's not good, then God would use his power and his wisdom uh, for destruction. So I was talking to our students about this, and the ex example I used was Thanos from the Marvel movies, right? Like Thanos is all-powerful and all-wise, but he's not good. If God was all-powerful and all-good, but not wise, then, then God would desire your goodness and desire the good things for you and would have the ability to pull off whatever needed to be pulled off in his power, but with lacking the wisdom, he wouldn't know how to use his power. 
And if God was all wise and all good, but he wasn't powerful, then he would have the best intention for you and know what to do and know what to offer, but he would lack the ability to actually offer any change. This is why we are in need of an understanding of the full nature of God. And I don't have it, like I'm not pretending that I know everything, but I think scripture here and our, and our church history and the, and the spiritual mothers and fathers of our faith that we have stood on their shoulders from generation to generation, we have enough to give an example and an understanding and to hold to and to anchor to in our lives that God is all good, all powerful. That's where we rest. That's where breaking open comes. This is why we need the right understanding. And culture, if I'm honest, is 180 degrees in the other way. Culture actually speaks against this. We live in this culture of moralistic relativism, which basically at its core says you do you. Whatever makes you happy is, is the best for you. And as long as you don't hurt anybody or offend anybody, you are doing what is good. And as Pastor John Mark Comer from Portland, Oregon, this, this, this pastor I've been listening to a lot over the last few years, he says, like, for that to be true, inherently assumes that our heart is a good heart and our soul is in a good place and that we ourselves know right from wrong, good from evil. And so when we come upon God and his word and it tells us one thing and we disagree from it in that reality and in that culture, we're not the ones wrong, God is. And that goes against everything that the gospel says. And that goes against everything this series is talking about, breaking open in the arms of a loving and powerful and wise God. Like the gospel declares, I do not have it figured out. I am not wise in my own self. I'm not good in my own self. I offer no strength in my own self, but I do know who is. I do know the one who is. I do know the one who is powerful, wise, and good, and comes after me and comes after you time and time and time again and has the wisdom to change my life and the power to lead me through it. That is what God is inviting us into in this breaking open of his arms. And that's what happens in the centurion's life. That's what happens in this moment. Remember the first message. The first message was, hey, uh, Jesus come, like he's sending, like he fills the gap with Jewish elders, Jewish leaders of the church, because Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. And so Jesus is making his way. And so he says, well, I'm not Jewish, so I know some Jewish people. I'm going to get them to fill the gap, right? Like we did this in elementary school and in middle school where, where like for me, it was like, I sent my buddy with a note to the girl that I like. Do you like me? Do you like me? You know, I did it in high school. Hopefully you didn't do that after high school. You just talked to her. Um, but like, you know, like that's, that's what we do. We send people in the gap for us. And that's what he did. And all the accomplishments were the centurions, all the praise were the centurions. And Jesus in his ultimate goodness says yes. But the switch happens on the way. The centurion doesn't know to, to our recollection of the scripture. The centurion does not know that Jesus has said yes and he's on his way. But something stirs in his soul. Something, something switches. And so he takes his friends and he goes, hey, I want you to go meet Jesus. And tell him, you know, forget the first message about how worthy I am. Tell him I'm not worthy. Tell him I'm not good. Tell him I don't, I don't deserve him to be in my house. But I've heard who he is. I believe who he is. And so if he'll just say the word, if he'll just say the word, I believe my servant will be healed. 
Like that is a switch. That is like, like that's the switch that I desire in my own life. I desire in your life, in my family, in this church. Will we be a church that says not about us, not about providence, not about the good things we have done. It is all about the glory of God. And that's who we're dependent upon. That's where we're going after. That's what we're seeking. And that's what we have to offer. God has always been like this. This isn't something new, and it's not Jesus is 30% this and 33% this and 33% this. He is 100% all of these things, all of these things. And so may we live a life that says, it's not about what I've done, it's about who you are. It's not about my capability, but it's about my vulnerability in your arms. That's what Jesus is leading us to in this transformed life into the likeness of Christ. I love this verse in 2 Corinthians. Paul is speaking to his church, and he says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, or another way of translating it is just reflecting the Lord's glory. We're reflecting who God is. We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That is what Jesus is calling us to. That is the life. So whether this is the first time you've heard about Jesus or you've talked about God or you you just showed up on YouTube, somebody shared a link with you or you have been following Jesus for 77, for 87 years and you know the stories and you know the scriptures, God is calling you and he's calling me. He's calling member and he's calling seeker. He's calling young and he's calling old. He's calling disconnected and he's calling connected to ever more increase in the likeness of who Jesus is. That's the call of what happens when we break open in his arms and he pours out his goodness and he pours out his love and he pours out his wisdom into our life. I mean, that's what happened to me. I was an atheist from the time I was in ninth grade to the time I was about 20 years old. And God met me in that belief and he he comforted me and he was with me and he was patient and he was kind and my questions didn't scare him and I didn't worry him. He knew knew the plan he had for me. He knew where he was calling me and he was just drawing me into who he was. And time and time again with kindness and with patience, he showed me wisdom of his truth. And by the power of the spirit, he led me back to him. That's how Jesus met me in my addiction. And that thing inside of me that I so desperately wanted to kill. I desperately wanted to kill the thing that was pulling me away from my family, pulling me away from my friends, isolating me, leading me down a road of destruction. That Jesus, that God who is all powerful, all wise and all knowing met me in that space and didn't panic and didn't freak out, but he loved me. And like a gentle father, he led me. And and the one who overcame death itself, because he's headed to a a cross, that's where we're headed, but we're also headed to an empty tomb. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. He is the only one that could kill the thing inside of me that desired things that were not of him. That is our God. And that is what happens to the centurion. He has this third switch. This third switch, the first switch, the first moment, the movement of the story is him sending the Jewish guys and all about him. And the second movement is, is where he sends his friends. But there's a third movement even within the second movement. And the third movement is this, it's the, it's the words that he says. He tells Jesus through his friends, just say the word. Just say the word. Just say the word and I believe. 
I believe. So it's one thing to know that Jesus welcomes you in. It's one thing to know if Jesus were here and could lay his hands on you, that healing was possible. But it's another step of faith to go, Jesus, you don't have to be physically in the room with us to offer healing, to offer wholeness, to offer hope, to offer restoration, to offer sanctification, to offer drawing us into your likeness time and time and time again. May that be our prayer today and forevermore that, that we are being called and we take a position of faith that says, just say the word, Jesus. Like we're gonna claim your promises today. Just say the word. The beauty that God is calling us into and the beauty that he lives out and pours out into our lives when we are vulnerable in his arms and we break open in his arms is a beauty that is unimaginable. A peace that surpasses all understanding. A joy that is reflective of only the face of Jesus. Like we can't even fully imagine what it looks like, but we can trust and know that he is pouring that out to us. I love this scripture. This is Jesus's words, and it's kind of a hard word to hear, but this is Jesus's words. On the front end, it's hard. It's good on the back end. Jesus says, if you, meaning me and you, if you then, though we're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to you and to those who ask him? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So just like the centurion saw the gap between him and, and, and Jesus, God saw the gap between me and, and him. God saw the gap between my sinful, depravity self, like fallen from God, and he sent Jesus in the gap to, to be the person and to be the way back to him. And once Jesus' life on earth was finished, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be with each one of us, to lead us back into the throne room. And so, so in all of that, what does that mean for us today? Like, what's our call to action? What, are the, what do we do with this understanding of the fullness of God? Well, I think the first thing we do is we seek and we pray. And God, know, God tells us time and time again in his word, if you will humble yourself and seek after God, that God is faithful and will, and will meet with you every single time. Every single time. So how many times have I messed up? Doesn't matter. If you seek him, if you will humble yourself, if you will, you will repent of your sin, Jesus is faithful to meet with you in his goodness and his power and his glory and his wisdom will meet with you. So for you that maybe like you, you hear these words today and you say, Listen, Pierce, I, I, I get that I'm a beloved son of God. I get that I'm a beloved daughter of God, but I'm struggling with God's authority. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with obedience. I'm, I'm struggling with calling him Lord and King and submitting my life to, to him when, even when I don't like it. So I, love, I know that I'm loved. I, I can hold on to that, but, but, I, but I'm not sure about the other. So I just say pray. Like I'm not oversimplifying that. I think things happen when we pray to God that, that could never happen anywhere else. He does a work in us when we do that. So I pray that today and tomorrow and this week and this season, until the prayer is answered, that you will begin to pray, God, gently as a loving father, lead me into obedience. Lead me into to, to giving you all of myself, submitting my life to you, calling you Lord and calling you King, calling you holy and just and righteous. And for some of us, some of us maybe that grew up in the church, like we have no problem seeing Jesus as Lord and holy and on his throne and righteous. But we struggle. We struggle knowing that we are the beloved son of God or the beloved daughter of God. 
So we grew up in a church that <laughs> you couldn't have coffee in the sanctuary because of the carpet. And, and, and you had all these rules and all these different things. And so the glory of God was high, but the embrace of God was low. Pray. Pray that God in his goodness and in his holiness and in his righteousness will come after you. He will lead you to understand that he deeply desires a relationship. He deeply desires friendship with you. He deeply desires for you to know that forever and always, he has always called you the beloved. He has always called you his son. He has always called you his daughter. So we seek and we pray. I think the other thing that we do is we live in this community together and we lean on one another. We lean on one another in the times that we're getting this wrong or times that we're going through hardships. Like the church is not perfect, but we do reflect a perfect God. And so, I mean, that's our heart right now here at Providence Church. That's what we're doing. Like we are taking next week, next Sunday night and next Monday, and we are having some deep, hard conversations around suicide. Like our pastors, myself, Pastor Mark and Pastor Jacob, we're gonna get together with some counselors and some people who can speak life into us and lead us into a conversation around suicide and prevention and awareness. We know that there are people right now that are watching this, that are in this room, that are friends of yours, that are in your community, that are having thoughts of killing themselves. Maybe that's you. Can you please hear me that you are loved? And God does not call you to sit in that forever. You are loved and he has healing and hope and wholeness for you. So you can find all that information out at prob.church slash sign up. There's some stuff there. We would love to see you there that night and engage in this conversation as we lean on each other. I want to end the story here. The the, The end of the passage says this, the last verse, then the men who had been sent returned to the house. Remember, these are the guys that had gone out the second time and found Jesus and said, he's not worthy, just heal him. And they show up back to the house, not knowing what happened. We don't know if Jesus kept coming. We don't know if Jesus is in the crowd anymore. We just know the guys show up. And it says, then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Can I tell you what did not happen in that moment? What did not happen in that moment, and we don't know exactly what happened, but can I just use, Pastor Jacob, he's talking about from the stage, like he's using his imagination, so can I use my imagination for a moment? What did not happen in that moment was those guys show back up in the house, and now the servant is healed, and the servant is is whole, and now he just goes back to doing whatever he was doing in the first place. I'm telling you right now, a, a shout of praise broke out, joy broke out, weeping broke out because the glory of God showed up in the voice of Jesus from a distance away and now the servant is healed. And it would have erupted in that house into a point that you would have had people coming from all over the city showing like what's going on in the house and what would they have found? They'd have come into the house, they'd have found the servant healed and the story of Jesus and the glory of God would have been on display. That's what was in that house when they returned. That's what happened in that city. And so we seek and we pray and we lean on each other. But finally, what we do in the fullness of the glory of God and his wisdom and his power and his goodness as we are vulnerable in his arms, we share the stories. We share the stories of how we have have been broken before him and how he has poured out all of himself on us and in us and through us. And so, 
So let me speak to the elders of our church, not the pastor elders, but the elder community of our church. I'm asking you as one of the youngest people on staff, as the youngest pastor that we have, we are desperate to hear your stories of your life where God has met you. We are desperate to hear the stories how God has poured out his goodness and his love and stirred up your faith and stirred up your life and has kept you committed to the faith. I wanna gather around your table and I wanna break bread together and I wanna hear the stories. I don't wanna talk about Netflix anymore. I'm telling you the crown has nothing on the drama and the goodness of the glory of God when he shows up in a moment. That's what I wanna hear. Can I speak to my peers for a second? We, are, we hold the gap between the older community and the younger community. And can we bridge the gap? Can we seek out the stories of God's full nature being poured out? And can we connect them to our middle school and our high school and to our children? And can we ourselves listen and share the stories when they come, come in front and come above? And students, it is my honor to be your pastor. I'm pleading with you, position yourself amongst the fathers and mothers of the faith in our community and put down your phone and put down your agenda and put down TikTok and put down the stuff and just listen to how God has met with our people. Listen as they tell you the stories of a good God. I'm telling you, Culture doesn't tell you who God is. Listen to the stories of how God has shown up. And when you have stories, because you will have stories, because this is going to stir your faith. This is going to make you seek after heaven. It's going to make you seek after God. You're going to be setting times on, on your, in your day to spend with him, to get on your knees and call after him. And so I began to ask God, God, what does this look like? It looks like homes in our community and in our nation surrounded in, in, in a full table, extra chairs pulled up to the table where young and old, seeker and, and, and member, disconnected and connected, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, uh, just across the board. It's going to look like the kingdom, but what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the glory of God. We're going to talk about the full nature of God and how he is all good and all powerful and all wise and how he meets with us. Those are the moments I cannot wait to share. If we will position ourselves there. I don't know what happens, but he flips, he flips our lives open for, the, for his glory to be shown. So, Come, Holy Spirit, awaken your people. And to God be the glory, and may God's glory be what we see. In your name we pray, amen.